0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: They didn't want him when it looked like he would cost them something. We don't want you here because some of dad's inheritance is going to go to you. Get out. But now we want you when it looks like something you have to benefit us hey come help us win this war that's what the world is like the world the world wants you when it can get something from you and they don't want you when it's you know you're an inconvenience or you're going to take something from them and it's very different from how the lord does people the lord takes us when we're nothing
0: we all have those people in our lives who are always there for us no matter what the situation is Today, Pastor Bill reminds us that we need to be servants to everyone in our lives. Even when it seems like resting on our laurels will be the best thing for us, this isn't what God wants for us. If you truly want to find peace in your life and feel energized in who you are, support your friends, loved ones, and those around you. God wants your life to be fulfilled and full of peace. This is the way to that life. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of judges chapter 11 for today's edition of a transforming word.
1: The cycle of the book of judges has been it's gone like this. The children of Israel would for a period of uh, for a little while they would kind of do well in their, with their relationship with the Lord and then when everything was going good sometimes 10, 18, 20, 40 years, uh, the number would kind of differ as far as how long, but at some point while everything was going well, they would fall into idolatry and sin against the Lord uh, by worshiping pagan gods, and God would be upset. He didn't like that, and so to punish them, God would give them over to their enemies. And so the the nations around them that were adversarial to Israel would take them, um, enslave them, oppress them, and God would allow that as punishment. And eventually, while they were oppressed, uh, last week it says that they were Um, They were oppressed. They were greatly distressed. I mean, they were just getting wonked on by the enemy. They would eventually cry out to God and God would respond each time by sending a judge to deliver them. If you guys remember last week, they did it again. And God, this is the first time last week where God didn't immediately respond by sending a judge. God told them when they cried out last week, he said, you know what? Cry out to them, God, you've been crying out to Cry out to those false gods that you've been. Go cry out to them and see if they'll help. And, and, you know, obviously they, <laughs> that was, uh, that wasn't what they were hoping for. And it says that the people then repented and they repented of their sin. And then it says that God looked on them. And this is where we, we just learned, we talked last week about the mercy of God in verse 16 last week. It said, God said that he could, his soul could no longer endure. The misery of Israel. And it's almost like a, a father or a parent seeing your child suffer. They did repent and they put away the false gods. And then God said, okay, you know, I'm going to send a deliverer. And so um, God is preparing Jephthah, who is going to be the person to go deliver them. So we're going to learn a few things about his life. Look at chapter 11, verse one. It says now Jephthah, the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot and Gilead begot Jephthah. Jephthah's wife bore sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, you shall have no inheritance in our father's house for you are the son of another woman. So a little bit about this man, Jephthah, his name means uh, he will open or he will uh, he will open or he will set free, which is what God is going to use him to do. And he's kind of got a rough start in life. Jephthah, no fault of his own. His dad, who's married to a wife that has kids, his dad goes out and sleeps with a harlot. Um, harlots, a prostitute, for those who don't know that. Uh, this is an illicit relationship and he parents a child with a harlot. And so a point in time comes where all of his legitimate children with his wife say, we're not sharing our inheritance with you. You're the son of a harlot. And they boot him out. They say, get out of here, man. And so I just want you to consider real quick, because Jephthah is going to be someone that God uses. But at this point in his life, that's kind of a rough start. Would you guys agree? And some of us maybe have had there are people that have a rough start in life and they feel like, you know, rather than looking for what God may want to do with that after we turn it over to him. Some people with their rough start, they pity themselves forever. Jephthah wasn't that kind of guy. Jephthah had a rough start. But we're going to see that Jephthah, you know, he, he had to get up and go move to another town. Um, we're going to see that Jephthah was a, it says he was a mighty man of valor. So uh, he took what gifts he had, he took what strengths he had, and he took those things with him where he went. But I would just, right up front, this is what it, it was really kind of speaking to me as I was looking at this initially. Um, for those that have had a rough start, maybe you had a bad upbringing, maybe you didn't have the best scenario between your parents. Maybe your parents weren't together. Maybe you were the result of some illicit sort of relationship. Who knows? We know this, that as we come to the Lord, the Bible says that all things are working together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And if I love God and I'm called according to his purpose, God will take even the negative things of my past and turn them around for his glory. He would use them for some good purpose. So at this point, they they you know he's kicked out by his brothers. He could go have a pity party, but he doesn't. Um he goes out and this is what he does. Verse 3 says, Then Jephthah fled from his brothers. Um we believe he fled because they maybe they threatened him. You know, you don't flee. Uh he could have just left, but it says he fled, and so we believe that maybe they, you know, they said get out, and maybe there was a threat that followed that up. So he fled from his brothers, and he dwelt in the land of Tob. Tob was a good land. Um, I don't have time to go into the geography of it, but it was a very good land that he went to. And it says worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. So Jephthah was, it says earlier, a mighty man of valor. He was a man of war and he was good at war. And so when he got to the land of Tob, it says other worthless men joined themselves with him. And so um, he ends up being a leader of a bunch of worthless, you know, and that's, that's kind of a rough phrase, but when you look it up, it means exactly what it says, a bunch of worthless men. It reminds me of the guys that banded with David um, when David had a time. when it said everybody that was in debt, everybody that I mean, everybody that was in all kind of distress and trouble and mess up. They joined themselves to David. David was a G far as being a warrior as well. And he took those people and they went out and, and they had victory in battle. So at this point, Jephthah has a bunch of worthless men. He's the leader of them. And they're going out raiding towns and that's how they're making a living. Um, Jephthah's brothers are going to know that their brother is, you know, he's he's a man of war. And when they get in trouble, we're going to see that they cry out to him for help. And so look at verse four. It says it came to pass after time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel, that the leader, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah. From the land of Tob. So Israel, his brothers basically have they got war issues. They got people coming against them. And they're like, hey man, go get Jephthah. You know, Jephthah is, you know, he Jephthah is about that life. Jephthah's out there doing it. You, go get Jephthah to come help us. Now I want you to think about this. If you're Jephthah, and these are the brothers that say, Man, get out of here. And and you fled from them, and now they're in trouble and they're looking to you. How many of us would help? How I many of us would, I mean, some of us would be like, you know, you, you caught the vapors. You know, now this is, that's what you get. Oh, now you're calling me. And so they're looking to him. Um, obviously they see the value in him now. And I just want to point this out because this is what the world is like. They didn't want him when it looked like he would cost them something. We don't want you here because some of dad's inheritance is going to go to you, get out. But now we want you when it looks like Something you have to benefit us. Hey, come help us win this war. That's what the world is like. The world, the world wants you when it can get something from you, and they don't want you when it's you know you're an inconvenience or you're going to take something from them. And it's very different from how the Lord does people. The Lord takes us when we're nothing. Amen. The Lord starts from scratch. God will take us. He says I, He loves us when we are at our least. You know Romans five God demonstrates His love in that while we're yet sinners. That's where God starts. God, I'll take you. I'll take you whatever you are from wherever you begin. You don't have to be very much at all. I'll take you. And what God does is we come to him. He makes us much more than we were before him. And God's not looking for, you know, he doesn't come to us to take. He comes to enrich, to fill us, to, to build us up into what he wants us to be. And so I just want to point that out. It's different from how the world does people. And we need to be careful about using people. Um, that's, you know, when you see there are people in the world, that's how they function. I only want people around me to benefit me. Um, and they don't, they're not, they're not willing to pour out. They're not willing to be made inconvenient. They're not willing to give of themselves. That's not like God. You know, Jesus collected around him men that needed every day. They needed him. They needed him for wisdom, needed him for direction, needed him for teaching. And he poured into them. That's what he did. That's what we want to do. We don't want to be like Jephthah's brothers that are like, okay, now that we could use you, we'd like you to come on board we want to be those that have took, taken people that you had nothing to offer when we when we made when we took interest in you, um, and but we loved you and poured into you. That that's that's going to taste more like the life of Jesus and what the Lord is doing. Amen. And so Jephthah says in verse, um, I'm sorry, verse uh, six. They then they said that Jephthah come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. So Jephthah, as all of us would you know, understand Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? And this is not really part of the story, but this was my meditation and reading this. He said, man, didn't you guys hate me? Why are you coming to me now when you're in distress? And it reminded me of what the Lord said to them last week. The Lord said, look, when you guys didn't want me, you wanted to worship all the other gods, and you guys were now now in trouble. Now you're coming to me, and we're seeing that the people of Israel that was kind of a that was their, that was a problem that they had. We, we want to use we want God when we need him, but otherwise we want to do our own thing. Jephthah, we want you when we need you, but otherwise we want to do our own thing. Note that that's a bad characteristic, and we should all check ourselves for that. Am I do I use people? Am I a user? Am I only am I a taker? Only am I a taker? Or am I a giver? Am I always looking for what I can get? Am I always looking for how it will benefit me? Or am I thinking about how what I'm doing? How does this impact them? How, how will this benefit other people? Something to consider. It was a bad characteristic. They did it to God. They did it to their own brother. You know, Jephthah says, now that you're in distress, why are you coming to me? Verse eight. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, that is why we have turned again to you now that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon. Uh, I should note that Jephthah's a believer. Uh, it we'll, we'll find later on, you know, he, he's he's. You know, he's we'll see as he as he cries out to the Lord, it says um in verse nine. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, if you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? And I, I just took note that in, in, in Jephthah's mind, Gilead was still home. They had ran him away from home, even though he was in the land of Tob and the land of Tob was a good land. Jephthah said, if I come back home and I win this, Are you guys going to, you know, are you guys going to expel me afterwards? Are you guys going to let me be the head? Am I going to get to stay in charge after I do this? And I just thought about that for him. That was still home. You know, I want to go back home and I want to come. And if I win, am I going to be the head here? You guys just using me or is it going to be long term. Verse 10. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord will be witnesses between us if we do not do according to your words. Then Jephthah went up with the elders of Gilead and the people made him the head and the commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord at Mizpah. So after they make him the head, I want you to note what Jephthah does right away as he turns to the Lord. Um, Again, this is why I say he's a believer. Jephthah said, "Okay, I got this responsibility. Yes, I'm a man of war. Yes, I'm a mighty man of valor. But I know that before I step out, I want to ask, I want to talk to God. Um, he didn't. And I, I, this is important too that. Yes, he's a mighty man of valor, but note that he doesn't go out in his own might. Maybe that's why he was such a mighty man of valor. Uh, one of the things that you see is you follow the life of King David as you follow, especially when he was going to war, you'll see over and over again, where it says David inquired of the Lord. And he wasn't just presuming that because I'm King David, because I slew giants, because I win battles that everywhere I go, I'm going to win. He would ask the Lord anew and afresh, Lord. Do we go here? Lord? Would you have us to do this? And so he turns to the Lord. Verse 12, Jeptah Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon saying, what do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? So now what Jephthah does first, even though he's a man of war, uh, we see that he's a little, you know, he's he's sending out a messenger first saying, hey, let's see if I can win this with words. Let me see if I can win these people over. You know, we don't want to have a war unnecessarily. I don't want to beat you up just because I can scrap. You know, he's like, so let me see if I can send a messenger and maybe we can have some words and get this thing sorted out. So Jephthah sent a messenger and says, hey, why, why, do, you, why do you guys, why, what what have, what do you have against me that you will come to fight against me in my land? And the king of the people of Ammon answered the messengers of Jephthah saying, because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt from Ammon as far as Jabok and to the Jordan. Now, therefore, restore those lands peaceably. So Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon, saying, And he said to them, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor the land of the people of Ammon. For when Israel came up from Egypt, they walked through the wilderness as far as the Red Sea, and they came to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom saying, please let me pass by your land. But the king of Edom would not heed. And in like manner, they sent to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained in Kadesh and they went along through the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab, came to the east side of the land of Moab and encamped on the other side of Ammon. But they did not enter the border of Moab for for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites. I'll explain all this in just a minute. King of the king of Heshbon, and Israel said to him, Please let us pass through your land in peace. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all the people together, encamped in Jahaz and fought against Israel. So the Lord God delivered Sihon and all the people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. Thus Israel gained possession of the land of the Amorites who inhabited that country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites and the Arnon and the, J- the uh, to the Jabuk Jebok and from the wilderness of the Jordan. And now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before His people Israel. Should you not then possess it? Um, and so. And he said in verse 24, his last thing, will you not possess whatever your God gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord, our God takes possession of before us, we will possess long drawn out thing. But this is what he says. He says, we didn't take this land from you. We tried to go through your land in peace. They tried to go in peace. You guys wouldn't let us come through in peace. And so when they got to the other side, we had to go to war with y'all. And the Lord delivered y'all into our hands. And so God gave this land to us. Now it's ours. And that's a long story short. So now they're saying they're, they're trying to fight him for land. He says, So I'm not really taking anything from you. This is ours. God gave it to us. And then he throws into their face their false God. He says, Look, if, you're, if your God Sheshmash gives you something, won't you possess it? Well, then our God gave us something and we're going to possess it. And so all this to say, He's giving them an opportunity to say, Oh, okay, it really is your land. It really does belong to you. If they would be reasonable. Which they're not. They just want what they want. And so, verse twenty-five and says, "Are and now are you better than Balak, the king, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel? Did he ever fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and its villages, in Aurora and its villages, and in the cities of, among the, oh, I'm sorry, the cities along the banks of Ammon for three hundred years, why did you not recover them within that time?" Therefore, I have not sinned against you, but you wronged me by fighting against me. May the Lord judge. May the Lord, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. However, the king of the people of Ammon did not heed the words of uh, Japheth, uh, the, the words which Japheth sent to him. And so the Jephthah tried to be diplomatic. He tried to give them out he said hey it's not really your land it's our land blah 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 what what do we take from that right what is what do we take from this now they're talking about lands and possessions and things like that we talked about this through Joshua what does god want to possess us god's not worried about we're not going to possess land we're not outside marching around blocks saying this is our land you know god is saying i want to possess you i want all of you i died on the cross to possess not most of you not some of you all of you and just like back then, we look at the warring over pieces and parts of land. And they're saying, look, God gave this to us. It's ours to possess. God's people should have possession of all of it. God's looking at you and me. And that's the war that we're fighting. God's like, can I have possession of all of you? And there are there parts of your life that God would say, man, I don't have that part. How come the enemy still has a stronghold right there? How come this piece of my life, the enemy still has it? And as we look at this, you know, Japheth rightly is saying, If you don't want to give it to us, it belongs to us, then we'll fight for it. And just in the way of application, I would challenge us. As you recognize over your walk with the Lord areas of your life where I'm not really having victory in this area. Those are the things that you want to be fighting for. You don't want to lay down and accept that, you know, this this area of my life, the enemy seems to be victorious. But at least I'm good everywhere else. You want to look at the area. It may be one area, maybe two or three areas. But you want to look at wherever you see that. This is this rightly belongs to the Lord and he's not possessing it fully. And this is not fully surrendered to him. And I'm struggling or I'm battling or I'm being defeated in an area. Those are the areas where you need to say we need to fight for that because God's already died to possess it. It already belongs to the Lord. And, and just like Jephthah's going to know that when I go out to fight this fight in the name of the Lord, it's, it's God does the fighting. And for you and me, you take any area of the flesh, any area where we, we may battle The Lord is going to be the one to go before us. The Lord is going to be the one to strengthen us. The Bible says that where we are weak, he is what? He is strong. And so the areas where we say, man, I'm weak here, God, that's that's when I need you to lean on me even more. Because where you're weak, I'll give you strength. I'll help you overcome in the areas where you could not do it on your own. And so in the way of application, again, we're not battling for lands. We're not going back to fight the enemy for lands. We're not you know, fighting back and forth with the enemy over territories. But we're constantly at war for the territory of our heart. And the enemy is after it all the time. Sometimes stealing your attention with with worthless things. Uh, Sometimes, you know, some of us are, you know, we get into things we shouldn't get into. The enemy is constantly after us for our attention, for our heart, for our mind, for everything God wants. And if you find that in your life, there's parts of your life that God should have that the enemy has or, it might just be given over to worthless things. Um, those are areas where you want to go back and, and you know, I need to start a fight here. I need to get that back. God, God deserves to have all of us. Amen. And uh, I, I, that's something I've always, you know, just I meditate on. God didn't die for most of me. He didn't die on the cross to get most of my life. He died for the whole thing. Um, I wouldn't die for for half of anything. You know, so I mean, Jesus didn't die for most of me. He wants all of me and all of you. And he deserves it and he's worthy of it. Amen. Look at verse 29 says, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mizpah and Gilead and toward the people of Ammon. So the spirit of the Lord came upon him and you don't want to skip that. Um, Each time we see these judges and the ones we saw Gideon who was all afraid and in the wine press but each guy before they would go and God would do great things. The Spirit of God would come upon them. And this is what that means. For the Old Testament believers, the Spirit of God could come upon you and it could be taken away. You guys remember David prayed in the Psalms. He said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Why would he pray that? Because it could be taken away. Who was the Holy Spirit taken away from? Anybody remember? Saul. Saul. Um, we're going to get to Samson in a little while. Samson's going to have a moment where it says he got up at other times and then he didn't realize. That the, that the Lord was no longer with him. And, and I, I put a little frowny face, a little sad face in my Bible. That's a sad verse. You know, That this guy's used to getting up going and whipping all the Philistines. And one day he gets up and the Lord's like, not there. And everything that you've ever done has been a result of the spirit of God being upon you. He's gone. And so for the New Testament saint, uh, we have a different relationship with the Holy Spirit. For the non-believer, the Holy Spirit is with you, convicting you, helping you come to a realization that you need the Lord. The moment you say, I believe, I receive Christ for my sins, Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside you. And as believers indwell with the Holy Spirit, we ask the Holy Spirit, would you come upon us in power? Um, Acts one the Holy Spirit will come upon you, that we wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon us that we may be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the end of the world. He comes to empower us to be all that God wants us to be. And so how do we receive the Holy Spirit upon our lives? It's for the asking. I mean, we ask, we simply ask, Lord, would you pour out your spirit upon me? I recognize my need for your strength to accomplish your will in my life. Would you baptize me in your power? Would you pour out your spirit upon my life? And, and this time, God would pour out his spirit upon those that were going to go forth. And I just want to point that out that these are, this guy is not going in his own strength. And what he's getting ready to do is going to be awesome. But it's going to be awesome because God's doing it in his life.
0: You've been listening to Pastor Bill Bovington with A Transforming Word. We know you didn't have to come today to hear from the book of Judges. You could have easily switched channels or moved on with your day doing other things. But you did choose to tune in. And for that, we're grateful. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Los Angeles, California. If you found these messages helpful and encouraging, why not listen to more? You can find these teachings at CalvaryEnglewood.org. Just look under the Teaching tab. You can also download our mobile app to have these messages with you wherever. Another resource on our website is a daily Bible reading plan that might interest you. You'll also find links to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So head over to CalvaryEnglewood.org for all of the information you need. And if you still haven't found what you're looking for, just call or text us. Our number is 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. If you're wondering about a way you could contribute to the ministry here at A Transforming Word, we greatly value your prayers and financial support if you feel led to do so. On CalvaryInglewood.org, you'll find a Give tab that helps you know how to proceed. Thank you for your support. We hope you come back here next time as you quickly notice the effects of a transforming word.